plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Whew. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. Today, I am giving you my rapid reaction to the Falcons 23-17 week one win over the Chicago Bears to kick off this 2017 season. You are locked on Falcons. Your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, guys, here's the rapid reaction. As promised, I'm recording this about 6 p.m. East Coast time, so a little bit two hours after the game. Um, So if, you know, if we find out any news sort of late Sunday night uh, from this game, then, you know, I haven't seen it yet. Um... Let's get into this game. It was a very interesting game, not necessarily the way that the Falcons probably drew it up. I think a lot of people expected this game to sort of be smooth sailing for the Falcons. Certainly, if you listen to this podcast, we talked with two Bears people, Lauren Cox, Aaron Lemming this week, uh, talking about sort of how the Falcons were a tough matchup for the Bears, and, and this seemed to be a little bit too much for the Bears, but the Bears did exactly what they needed to do, keep it low scoring. They had a shot to win it in the game. You can certainly make the argument that the Bears lost this game more than the Falcons won it. I'm not saying that's the way you should interpret it, but you could certainly make that argument. I'm sure there are many people in the uh, Chicagoland area that certainly believe that uh, was the case, uh, given how it ended. We'll touch upon that later on. But, uh, you know... This is what happens week one. We, we go into the season, and for a number of teams, we have these expectations, and those expectations are utterly shattered. Um, the Falcons got some things they got to work on. It wasn't the cleanest game, but they certainly came away with a W. Can't begrudge them there. Sometimes you got to win ugly in this league. And when it comes to good teams can win ugly, bad teams not necessarily. That These are games that they tend to lose, and these are the types of wins that you need to sort of have if you're going to make the playoffs. You're not going to win, you know, 10, 12, or however many games you're going to win. They're not going to be all sort of smooth sailing. Um, offensively, I think the Falcons, you know, there were some issues. Um, I thought Matt Ryan played well. His best play was the Hooper play. For the most part, it was a pretty normal Matt Ryan game. A couple of throws that he probably wants back, but... You know, we're nitpicking a, a, literally a handful of throws. You know, he gets a he certainly gets a passing grade ninety five percent. You know, the Hooper play was his best play. Really did an excellent job buying time in the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield. Looked like he was about to fall down, but kept his balance. Heaved it up. Hooper did the rest. Excellent play. That was the signature play for Matt Ryan all game. Uh, the running game was a little iffy. It was a little up and down. Uh, Freeman had a success rate of 50%. Coleman had a success rate of 13%. If you guys aren't familiar with success rate, I've explained it on this show before, but the general gist is sort of taking the yards you get based off of down and distance. Um, and, and it's a better, it's in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, it's a much more accurate way of reflecting efficiency than necessarily looking at yards per carry. Um, 
anything above 40% is good. So certainly a good game for Freeman, not so much for, for De- Tevin Coleman. It looked like, at least watching at first glance, and we'll see if the tape backed this up, but it looked like at first glance, Freeman was largely, his his runs were more successful because he was able to sort of improvise and create on his own. So even when the blocking wasn't quite there, he was able to dance and juke and jive and sort of make something out of nothing at times. And, and Coleman typically is a guy that tends to, to be able to do what you give him. He block, you know, he runs for what he's blocked for. Um, and we've talked about that previously on, on this podcast. You go back to that Matt Waldman episode we did when we talked about Brian Hill. Um, you know, the question is, the real concern for me, not necessarily is, is anything with Freeman and Coleman. I think they'll be fine. Um, to me, the concern is a little bit the short yardage. Short yardage was something that the, this team struggled with during the preseason, but it's preseason, so it's hard to sort of, should I, you know, should I take that with a grain of salt? Um, it didn't look like, you know, in short yardage runs, I should, I should, they were one for three. They were able to convert one on a Freeman, on a third, third and three, I think it was. Freeman was able to convert one. Um, Derek Coleman, fullback, Wes Schweitzer didn't quite live up to the sort of standard that Patrick DeMarco and Chris Chester set for the team. I know Chris Chester was by no means beloved, but, um, you know, Schweitzer sort of struggled early. I don't think that was unexpected. That's been something that I've talked about on this show at various times this offseason, that I think the Falcons might lose something on their ground attack with the loss of two out of probably their five best blockers in 2016. Um, and, and so, but to me, the question wasn't necessarily would the offense, the running game, take a little bit of a step back with those guys. And we'll see what the rest of the season, those guys could very well come out and and play excellent next week against Green Bay. So I don't want to sit here and write them off by any means, but it was really going to be about whether or not the Falcons would be able to compensate through the air for whatever loss they would have on the, in the running game. And the answer today was like, yes and no. Um, Sanu led the team with six catches. You know, he had basically a lot of dink and dunk plays. He only had one play that went one catch that went longer than 10 yards and longer than eight yards, really. And, and so a lot of those plays, you can basically consider those to be runs, um, with those sort of short, quick throws. Uh, we'll see if they open things up for him as the season progresses, but that was something that Sarkeesian, uh, openly discussed that he wanted to see, he wanted to see Sanu be more effective down the field um only two deep shots from Matt Ryan in this in this game and, and by deep we're talking about throws that went more than 15 yards in the air the corner route to Julio in the start of the second quarter in that big play to Hooper on a busted coverage that was an 88 yard score um you know speaking of Hooper he wasn't targeted early and but he made the most of his opportunities he had three third down conversions although technically one was nullified by a penalty, but uh, you know the 88-yard score was a third down. He had the big 40-yard catch on a third down to keep a drive alive. So he definitely came up huge. The stiff arms were vicious on both of those plays. Really shined after the catch. Um, you know it was funny because I was like sitting through the game, thinking like because I wasn't really buying the Hooper hype as much as other people were selling it this off season. And. So for basically the first 47 minutes of the game where Hooper had zero targets, I was like, yeah, see, I told you stuff, all this Hooper hype and whatnot. And then he just went off on the, you know, in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, it, it's like, oh, I'll eat that crow happily, more than happily. Um, tastes good. 
Uh, five targets for Julio Jones. I'm, I'm sure that's going to raise a lot of questions in a lot of people's eyes. Um, I'll certainly check out the film to see if the Bears were doing anything in particular to sort of uh, negate him or if it was just Matt Ryan trying to spread the ball around to other players instead of trying to force it to Julio Jones. But most of his catches, for the most part, he was bracketed on most of the ones that I, I recall him actually making. So I imagine that that was probably the case. Well, again, I'll check the film to see that. Offensive line, as I said earlier, Schreiter struggled early on. Seemed like he got his act together in the second half. Uh, I saw you know, a lot of people on Twitter calling for him to get benched during the first quarter, which, uh, you know, again, this is all my whole thing about expectations. And, you know, for whatever reason, people had these super high expectations on, on Wes Schweitzer, um, you know, that in his first NFL game, you know, we've only seen him play eight preseason games against mostly backups. But he would come in against Akeem Hicks, who, by the way, just got paid a bunch of money, got a, like a $50 million contract this week because it's not like they paid him because he, he's bad at football. Um, that, you know, Schweitzer would come in in his first real NFL game and, and not suffer any growing pains, so much so that the Falcons needed to bench him, you know, what, th- two or three series into the game. You know, but expectations, which were not really based off of anything, it, it, it was just based off of people saying, well, you know, it sounds good that Wes Schweitzer is going to be an upgrade over Chris Chester, or it makes them feel better about losing Chris Chester, but they weren't basing it off of any evidence that they saw that Wes Schweitzer put forward through in eight preseason games that he was going to somehow be this revelation at right guard, but whatever. Um, you know, and that gets, that gets me to the play calling thing, and I apologize in advance for the rant that I, I might go on. I do. There's part of me that wants to troll people about this, but I'll try to keep it professional. But it's just it's fascinating to me that similar things with expectations and, and people not having anything really to base the, these these takes on. And I'll say takes because that's what they are. Where you you see a guy come into the NFL who's never called plays in the NFL, who's really never really coached in the NFL. He's had one year as a quarterback coach, coaching Jamarcus Russell, which I think by all means just basically negates. <laughs> that experience um coming into the league expecting him just just because he has these weapons that he'll just come in and and everything will work out and the offense won't skip a beat and it's not based off of anything it's just because people you know it makes people feel good and it like it wasn't that I was down on Sarkeesian I just didn't think people were appreciating what how much of a learning curve there is in the NFL like you like if it was just easy, oh, you have Julio Jones, you have Matt Ryan, you're going to come in and produce the league's best offense or a top three offense like that, then why do we think any offensive co- – like how how do you guys think other offensive coordinators don't succeed? If the NFL is that easy of a job, the call plays in the NFL, it's that easy that anybody can literally come off the street and just basically, oh, you give him Matt Ryan, you give him Julio Jones, he'll be successful. Like, okay, you know, again – Sorry, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I, I, I know you guys know where I'm coming from on this because you guys listen to the show and I've been talking about this for months. But it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like it's, it's fascinating to me for you see all these people for seven months talking about how Sarkeesian is going to be just as good, if not better, than, than Shanahan. And then the minute he has his issues, whatever those issues you, you feel that they are, then they're, then they're like, well... What did you expect? It's his first game. And it's like people don't understand the connection between your hype 
and and the backlash. And it's, it's again, I'm not talking to Joe ATL 404 Falcon fan on Twitter or whoever, just the regular people, right? You know, the, the quote unquote peasants. I, I, I say that facetiously. But I'm talking about the people that blog about the team and they don't understand the connection between their ability to hype things and build up these expectations. And then when it doesn't meet the expectations, the, the common folk tend to, to have a negative reaction to it. And then they, they're like, well, what did you expect? And it's like they expected you to tell them different. They're listening to you because they think because you write for a prominent Falcon blog or a Falcon website or or a co-host of a, a Falcon podcast that you know what you're talking about, that you got there because you know what you're talking about. And so when they hear for seven months that Sark is going to be just as good, if not better than Shanahan, there's not going to be any growing pains and any regression is overrated and, and is, is people just being negative for the sake of being negative. And then when they see regression and then they go, wait, wait, I was promised for seven months. This wasn't going to be the case. But if you had, you know, it's the same thing with Vic Beasley, like, the hype on Big B, oh, he's going to be 15 sack, uh, sack artist coming off the bat. And then when he doesn't live up to that, there's backlash. And then there's people calling him a bus. And they don't understand the correlation between those things. But again, I'm not ranting. I'm, I'm calming down. You know, I, I, I'm not a big believer in overly criticizing play calling because I think you, you need to come from a place of knowledge. And the 99% of the criticism on play calling is not coming from that place. And so... Like, I'm going to go back. We're going to look at the tape. We're going to find out why the Falcons weren't throwing deep passes. Is it because of the fact that the Bears had certain coverages that weren't allowing the deeper routes to, to develop? Is it because the Falcons were purposefully throwing it short because they were worried about their pass protection holding up? Was it because Matt Ryan was decided had opportunities to throw deep, but he went with the surefire Shorter passes because he liked the matchups or whatever the case may be, rather than sort of pushing the ball downfield. I don't know. And again, I'm not going to sit here and come in and, and fall on until I see some tape, until I see some evidence. I won't come to a, any conclusions about it. So we'll find out on the tape. That look for that on Wednesday. But um, in the meantime, you know, it is one of those things where it's like all off season long. It wasn't that I was down on Sarkeesian. I just think people were overestimating or underestimating the learning curve that it is in the NFL. Like you just just because you play Madden, just because play calling seems easy on Madden doesn't mean that it's easy in the NFL. That a guy who's never called plays in the NFL, who's never went against an NFL defense, who's never been asked to make adjustments, would just come in and everything would be firing and clicking and the Falcons would put up a hundred points or, or whatever the case may be. You know, I, I I never bought into that. But look, I'll be honest, I thought the offense would play better than it did. It didn't. We'll find out what the tape says, why they didn't, and we'll see. I, I don't think it's probably Sark's fault, and even if it is Sark's fault, then again, again, he's a first-year offensive coordinator. Like <laughs> There is a learning curve in the NFL. People, again, I'll let it go. Um, I'll let it go. Let's talk about the defense. Before we get to that, I do want to remind people that they can get all the recaps on the Week 1 action on the Lockdown Podcast Network over at audioboom.com. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you Bye, wedding ceremony. 
Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. All right, let's talk defense. And uh, the defense started strong, as I think many people expected them. Run defense was a little iffy. Uh, Howard and Cohen were pretty effective, particularly in the first half, running the football again. Success rate, 64% success rate on 11 runs. Cohen was very slippery. We talked about this on the on the Saturday show. If you missed that with, with Lauren, we talked about whether Cohen would be an X-factor. He tweeted me after the game. He was like, once Benny Cunningham, who was supposed to be the Bears' third down back, went went down, they, they gave Cohen a lot more opportunities, and he he certainly took advantage of his opportunities. Really, that last drop was um, that one touchdown drop that he had was really the only bad play he had. Looked like a little jitterbug. I, I tweeted he was a leprechaun. You know what? Five six, five seven. He, he's he's going to be good. He's good. Um, so I, I wouldn't get too mad at the Falcons' defense. I, I think we're going to find out that this Tariq Cohen is legitimately the next Darren Sproles. We hear that all the time, but he might be the guy. Um, I think the Falcons' run defense clamped down a little bit better in the second half. Only 38% success rate in that second half. Uh, fortunately, the Bears in those last two drives did not throw the football. I mean, did not run the football. Thanks to the Falcons going up and the Bears sort of being like, okay, we don't have enough time to run the football. But they weren't having any issues throwing the football either. And uh, if you look at those two drives until the last four plays of that last drive, within the final 21 seconds of the game, Mike Glennon was 16 for 21 for 147 yards in the touchdown. Do the math on that. That's 110.6 passer rating. So in those last two drives, when the, when the Bears needed him to move the football down the field, he did it as efficiently as you, you literally could be. Those last four plays in the last 20 seconds, at the in, inside the five, um, the Bears, you know, you saw Josh Bellamy drop a touchdown in the end zone. That should have won. That should have basically won the Bears the game. Then you saw Jordan Howard drop a, a pass. Alfred was there to sort of hit him. He's heard Alfred's footsteps at the one yard line. That that wasn't going to be a score, but certainly a third and goal at the one is a lot easier to convert than a third and goal at the five. Um, and then Glenn threw behind Zach Miller, tight end, um, in the end zone, and then that left the fourth down. And then my boy Brooks Reed, the guy that all you guys, <laughs> again, this is half rapid reaction, half Aaron trolling people that disagreed with him <laughs> episode, but Brooks Reed came through in the clutch, didn't he? And I thought it was interesting. You saw Derek Shelby out there. He bull rushed uh, Charles Leno, was able to force Glennon to sort of step back in the pocket. Reed used his speed rush, looped around Bobby Massey. Got Glennon from behind, sealed the game, game over. Boom. Right? You know, so I, I tell all those people that have been preaching about Brooks Reed should get cut and he's not, he's overpaid and all this sort of things. Well, you know, if the Falcons make the playoffs, one game, you know, they wind up winning the division by one game, then you can owe the Falcons' playoff run to Brooks Reed. I already said it right there. Sign still delivered. Um, I thought it was interesting, though. Uh, that the Falcons were in the base defense for those final two plays on that third and fourth down. Um, they had the Beasley and, and Claiborne out there on first and second down. Those guys weren't really effective at getting pressure. 
Uh, they went to their base defense, um, I think largely to sort of guard against the draw play or the run play by the, the Bears. And the, the base defense came through. And if you were a long-time listener to this podcast, you know one of the bigger criticisms I had and one of the biggest reasons I thought the Falcons defense struggled throughout 2016 was they weren't able to get adequate and reliable pressure with their base defense. And uh, it was it was great to see them do that in this week one game. Um, it was also great to see the, the defense finally start uh, step up in the red zone. And uh, we talked about this in the past. On, I, I know at least on two episodes this summer, we talked about sort of my expectations with the Falcons defense, not necessarily being a shut it down sort of defense. But being a more but a bend but don't break defense, and as I said with the Glennon stats I, I quoted earlier, they were definitely bending quite a bit towards the end of the game in those last two drives in the fourth quarter. But they did not break at the end. They they got the only stop they had in the red zone was the final series. Um, again, you know, you was that owed largely to Josh Bellamy dropping uh a pass, or is it owed to Brooks Reed? That's up to you to decide. It doesn't really matter. Falcons won, so that that probably decides it for you. But uh, you know, we, we talked about the red zone defense really being better, and it wasn't great today. But uh, that would certainly be something I'll, I'll check out more on the film to see sort of why they broke down a little bit. Looked like a couple of times I noticed Duke Riley looking a little lost out there on a couple of plays. But uh, we'll see how much of a big deal, you know, that's more of an overall defense, not necessarily the red zone thing. So um, we'll see how that goes. I, you know, I, I think it's poetic that the defense get the game-winning stop in the final seconds and not collapse like, uh, you know, maybe maybe something that happened seven months ago. Um, you know, the Bears had every chance to win this game, but uh, they didn't. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take whatever, whatever we got to do to to get to the 1-0 start. Um we talked about time of possession being critical for the Bears' success. The Falcons only held the ball for 68 seconds longer than the Bears did in this game. I don't know if that's ideal for what the Bears wanted, but I, I guess it's decent. Um, you know, there's a lot of things the Falcons will have to work up cleaning up. We'll talk a little bit more about this game on tomorrow's recap. I'm scheduled to bring along with me my good friend Charles McDonald, currently a Football Outsiders. Uh, along with the other 17 sites and podcasts he worked for. So we'll talk about that with Charles. We'll go deeper in this game with him tomorrow. Um, you know, week one is always unexpected, as I said at the top. So uh, we'll take what we can get. And uh, that's it, guys. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the at the scoreboards around the early games. The Steelers barely beat the Browns. We saw on Thursday night the the Pats lose a shootout. No one thought the the Chiefs could win a shootout with the Pats. Jaguars just stomped the Texans. Tom Savage era lasted, a, a, what, a half? The Lions did the same to the Cardinals, my beloved Cardinals. The Bengals got shut out. And I, I figured that, you know, I think I made the last-second switch to my pick to, to pick the Ravens. Um, but uh, I did not expect the Bengals to completely fall flat. And speaking of picks... Um, if you guys didn't know, we do have a Pick'em contest on ESPN, Spread Pick'em. You can join that. I've put various links on my Twitter field. Please check that out. I, I've posted links on Facebook, Locked on Falcons as well. Don't worry if you didn't if you didn't join. We drop always because there's people join late. Always drop one your worst week. So if you missed this week, 
this is not going to affect you in the overall score. You can still win the Pick'em Contest. So please sign up if, if you want to sort of flex on me and, and tell me how much football I don't know um, by my horrible, horrible picks. And, and this first week was a rough one for me. Um, you can do that and uh, check out the links on Facebook and on my Twitter account on FalkFans.com. Or not FalkFans.com. FalkFans on Twitter. Um, so that's it, guys. Standard outro. Falkfans is my Twitter address. If you want to get into contact with me about the podcast, just let me know. Just make sure it's you, you indicate it's more podcast and general stuff. Um, my my the show's Twitter handle is Brooks Reed fifty. No, I'm kidding. It's uh, Locked On Falcons. Locked On Falcons is the Facebook page. Locked On Falcons at mail dot com is the email address. If you hate 140 character limits. Audioboom.com, FalkFans.com. The show is posted daily there. You can leave a comment there. iTunes is another great way to get in touch. Five-star reviews. I think we're going to start a giveaway soon with the iTunes stuff in the coming weeks. I'll get more information on that. But uh, if you haven't given an iTunes review, um, you know there, there might be an incentive for, for doing that in the future. I, I need to talk with the, the network and, and sort of uh, talk a little bit about that. But there, there might be a prize for that. If you have given a, a iTunes review, great. Um, you know, we'll see if we can. I don't know if you can enter a second time, but um, yeah, that's it, guys. Be back tomorrow with Charles, and uh, we'll talk more Falcons Bears, and we'll be seeing what the Falcons need to, to do better to be to rise up. I was going to say to be in the brotherhood again. It doesn't work quite the same way for me, but that's my own personal hangups. Um, you know, we'll see what the brothership can do for next week's game against the Packers. So, see you guys tomorrow. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you... Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.